welcome to Australia. Okay, my Aussie accent isn't perfect, but thank you for listening to my podcast dedicated to cruising from the four corners of the world. Good day, guys, and welcome to my latest podcast on the wonderful world of cruises. This particular podcast is on a 14-night cruise from New Zealand to Australia. When we mention that we are going to Australia for a holiday, we tend to make preparations about six months to a year in advance. Well, most people do anyway. It's not our usual fortnight in an all-inclusive in the med, but on the other side of the globe. Then again, it's just over 10,500 kilometres from London to Sydney. And as you fly out against the rotation of the world, you somehow lose 24 hours of your life. And also, for that perennial question, how long shall I stay for? Well, this is why I'm doing this podcast. Choosing the right cruise for this part of the world is just as important as making sure that your passport is in order when travelling. In other words, here are a few important factors to be taken into consideration. Make sure you stay a minimum of three weeks. Don't travel in our summer, which is their winter. Also include New Zealand in your travels and your passport must have at least six months validation. Most important, check on visas. So for this particular cruise, I have specifically chosen the following itinerary. Holland and America cruise ship, Nordam. Date of the cruise, the 25th of February 2023 up until the 11th of March 2023. 14 days on board, plus 4 days on either side, which I will recommend. Your ship, the Nordam, named for the Northern Compass Point, features many great amenities and has a unique collection of museum art from the 19th century right up to contemporary photographs of music greats such as Dizzy Gillespie and B.B. King. Guests on board can enjoy regional cooking demonstrations and also food and wine tastings. Explore the world's wonders through the BBC's Earth Experiences. Take yoga or Pilates in a fitness centre. Savour the sound of music walk and the delights of the speciality restaurants. You're going to be spoiled on board. This beautiful ship measures just over 280 metres in length and has a capacity for just under 2,000 passengers across her 958 cabins throughout the 11 decks on board. The cabins range from a comfortable inside to the signature Neptune and Pinnacle suites. And with a top speed of 25 knots, she is well equipped for this kind of voyage. We start in New Zealand, a country that has led by example on quite a few fronts and one that is frequently on top of people's bucket lists to live in. Although small in population, about 5 million, it has been under the British crown since Captain Cook first set foot in the latter part of the 1700s. But ironically, it was the much-travelled Dutch who in the mid-1600s were the first Europeans to first set foot on these two rather diverse islands. The 17th century Dutch explorer Abel Tasman originally thought the islands were part of the southern tip of Argentina and duly named them Staten Land or Staten Islands which by the way the same name was given to Staten Island next to New York City but soon after the Dutch cartographers realised that he had it all wrong and renamed the islands New Zealand after the Dutch region of Zeeland. Anyway we set off from Auckland in New Zealand, or as they call it in Maori, Tamaki Makaro. I think I said that right. Situated on New Zealand's North Island, it's the biggest city in the country and has much to offer, so I would opt to stay between two and four days 
before you sail out. The first European settlers came here in about 1840 and it's now a big metropolis with many modern features. After a savoury dinner, we relax on one of the newly established staterooms and wake up in the unspoiled bay of Tauranga the next morning. A place for windsurfing which also boasts the only active volcano in New Zealand named Wakahari or White Island in the Bay of Plenty. It's also the jumping off point for exploring the nearby white sandy beaches and also a first on my podcast, the Kiwi fruit capital of the world. Well done to you. It also has a wealth of Maori culture sites where you can meet indigenous people and no doubt see or even better take part in the haka, a traditional greeting dance that has been going on for centuries for visitors to these shores. I love that ritual. I must practice it. Also nearby, you have a gem of a town called Rotorua, labelled as a New Zealand geothermal wonderland. A picture postcard of a place with its lovely parks and fabulous geysers, including hot springs and one to note down, hot mud pools. I hear it's good for the skin rejuvenation. It's been a favourite spa place as far as the early 1800s. So something is right. Check on the Shores excursion team and I'm sure you will find a tour of the movie set of The Hobbit in a place called Matamata, a must for Lord of the Ring fans everywhere. And on the third day, we arrive in Napier. According to some sources, it's the Southern Hemisphere's answer to Miami Beach, whilst others have said it resembled a typical Mediterranean resort. Whatever you choose, one of the first Europeans to see this marvel of a place was the much-travelled Captain James Cook when he arrived here in 1769. In 1931, due to a massive earthquake, most of the city was destroyed and flattened, only to be revamped some years later in what was a style back then, a very impressive and very iconic Art Deco style, which is why many compare this pearl to South Florida. It was named a UNESCO World Heritage Site in 2007, this increasing its popularity with many tourists at a summer retreat. Whilst you're out there, visit the famous statue of the Maori girl, Panya of the Reef, New Zealand's version of Denmark's The Little Mermaid in Copenhagen, a delightful little statue. We now leave the Northern Ireland behind and visit our first port in the South Island. Picton is our next stop. This is a small town but yet plays a very important link between the islands. You've now reached the epicentre of wine producing in New Zealand. This area is world famous for its Marlborough wines, with Sauvignon Blanc leading the way, making it a very profitable commodity to New Zealand, in which it brings in just under two billion pounds sterling into the country's coffers. Not bad, is it? Check out the Brancot Estate wine. Absolutely fantastic. If a wine theme excursion is not for you, then the area around Picton also offers cycle pathways along its beautiful coast. Anyway, as they say, chin chin, and after nearly 11 hours, it's back to the ship. Always check with the cruise line if you do bring back any wine, as some partners are very strict on incoming edible or drinking items, such as wine. On most cases, they would ask you to consume it in your cabin and not in any of the common areas good excuse to invite some of your newly acquired cruise buddies but best not to make it a late night as your next stop is at the crack of dawn 7am 
The next day you'll wake up back on the North Island in the country's capital, Wellington. By the way, Wellington is one of the world's windiest cities. Let's just hope it's a nice day when you arrive. And if you like rugby, head to the world's famous Sky Stadium, or as the locals call it, the Caton. This is where the famous All Blacks play the rugby and perform the famous hacker to the opposite teams prior to kickoff before a crowd of around 35,000. Cricket is also played there, and on a particular day in 2002, Lord of the Rings director Peter Jackson recorded 30,000 fans chanting in black speech, which is the fictional language constructed by J.R.R. Tolkien for the rather terrifying looking Uruk Hai during the Battle of Helm's Deep in the film The Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Amazing. I wonder if any of the 30,000 crowd got paid any royalties for that performance. Hmm. Should find out, shouldn't I? Anyway, moving on from Middle Earth. During the early part of the 19th century, many settlers from the UK arrived here and were known to the local indigenous people as Pakeha. It's been the nation's capital since 1865 due to its growth and expansion. And the name stems from the famous Duke of Wellington. As we all know, he was Napoleon's conqueror at the famous Battle of Waterloo in Belgium. It also has a large variety of places to visit and explore. And as the ship is here for 12 hours, plan your day to get as much of this delightful place as you can possibly can. As your ship, the Nordam, inches her way south and along the South Island, let's have a look at what you can do on board. Holland America is known to have the best blues music at sea. A visit to the B.B. King's Blues Club is highly recommended. One for the musical brain, the iconic and entertaining billboard on board. You have two pianos, you have 60 years of chart toppers, hundreds of songs, sing along, in other words, another version of karaoke, test your music trivia skills, or just sit back and enjoy as it hits fill the room each night. Hmm, sure brings a few good memories there. Anyway, meanwhile on deck nine, you have all the outdoor and sporty activities. At the back of the ship, you have the swimming pool, and towards the middle, you have the Lido pool, together with a sliding roof, and to top it all off, a hydro pool. Absolutely magnificent. Meanwhile, on the top deck, you have the observation area, situated at the front of the ship, whilst at the back, you have the sports area. For the joggers, or walking enthusiasts, you also have a walking track, which goes round one of the top decks. The atrium is the area where the wow factor comes in, and on the Nordam you will not be disappointed, especially with a rotating waterfall crystal globe of the world. Certainly an eye-catcher, if there ever was one. The deck below you will find the excursion desk for any kind of land tour advice, and whilst you're there, ask about the Exploration Central, or EXE, which is unique to Holland and America. We now embark on our fifth stop in New Zealand in the very small but important port town of Littleton, which serves one of this country's biggest cities, Christchurch. As recently as 2011, Christchurch suffered one of New Zealand's worst earthquakes. It caused widespread damage and took the lives of just under 190 people in what was the nation's fifth deadliest disaster. But the true spirit of Christchurch has elevated New Zealand's third largest city to a new pinnacle which truly amazes everyone. Well done to them. In spite of the many original buildings lost, Christchurch maintains its classic English feel with lush botanical gardens and Edwardian punting boats, 
cruising along the Avon River. Further out, you have the Canterbury region, which stretches from the ocean to the Southern Alps, with opportunities for adventure sports, wildlife viewing, and wine tasting. As we walk up the gangway, we can only glance back at this area, make them feel that they will always be on our thoughts. As the captain of the ship revs up the engines, he slowly steers the Nordan away from this very important port, which serves as a commercial seaport and additionally as a launching point for expeditions to Antarctica. We wake up in the gentle Scottish town name of Dunedin, which is Edinburgh in Gaelic. With a Scottish background, it has grown to be a city with some peculiar customs and world records. It's also the country's main epicentre for universities and studies, which helps shape this very young country. Now, one place where many tourists have done a photo or two is at the odd-looking and steep Baldwin Street. Now, this is no ordinary street, but many in the Wells area of Harlech may disapprove. This has the steepest street in the world at 35 degrees. I'll leave it down to you to walk up. And whilst we're at the top, every July, just over 25,000, yes, 25,000 Jaffa cakes are rolled down the hill to see which one reaches the finishing line first. Now, up to now, no one has really claimed any victory, just as well as they all look the same, don't they? And it all goes for a good cause, with all the proceeds going to charity. Or simply visit the recently restored Dunedin railway station and Lennart Castle, a step back in time. Outside the city, the Otago Peninsula is lined with scenic beaches and home to rare bird life, like the Royal Albatross and the Yellow-Eyed Penguin. On that note, we shall head back to the ship because at 6pm, the Nordam is scheduled to leave our last city in New Zealand. As we sit back in one of the many bars on the ship, we can only ponder and understand why this country was heavily featured in Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings films, which doubled as Middle Earth. Not that I've been to Middle Earth. As we leave the odd hobbit behind, our ship steadily rounds the southern tip of New Zealand. Fascinating. We now approach an area where many of us are completely unaware of New Zealand's third largest island, named Stewart Island. Okay, there are 700 other smaller ones, but this one is worth mentioning. Relying now mainly on tourism and fishing, it's situated about 30 miles from the tip of the South Island. But it's a strait which separates both islands that gets everyone on board excited. Now, let me see if I can pronounce this one. Faver Strait. Or Faver Strait. And in Maori, there are two versions. Tiara Akiwa, which means the path of Kiwa. Or Tiara Akiwa, the path of the whale. That's because, according to Maori legend, the strait was created when the obedient whale Kiwa, that's K-E-W-A, was summoned by the Maori ancestor king Kiwa, K-I-W-A, to create a waterway between the islands. What a delightful story. Mm. I wonder how Kiwi Freak got its name. Mm. As the ship steams around the South Island, it gently enters Fjordland National Park, where it covers an area of 12,000 square kilometres and captures mountains, lakes, fjords and also rainforests. No wonder why many tourists flock here each year in search of landscapes straight out of Middle Earth. There you go again. Truly amazing scenery. It was established as a national park in 1952 and you can easily confuse it with the fields in Norway. 
Amongst the park's rare birds is a flightless takahi, thought for decades to be extinct until it was spotted in the area in 1948. The natural wonders continue offshore. You've got seals, dolphins and even whales frequently use these waters. As we now leave these lovely Maori islands, the northern we now slip into gear and navigate in the Tasman Sea en route to Australia. This will take the 285 meter Vista class ship a whole day to reach your next port of call. So let's see what else this gallant cruise ship has to offer. Now, each cruise line has its different class of ships and they tend to be built for a specific itinerary with guest satisfaction. They also have a common link with their names and in Holland America's case is that they all end with the same syllable, DAM, D-A-M. This particular ship is part of the Vista class of which there are four of them in total and are named in Dutch after the four points of the compass. You have Nordam for North, Zuidam for South, Usedam for East and Westerdam for West. These ships were designed mainly for shorter, say less than two weeks cruises in the Caribbean, Alaska and Europe. And they also have an exceptionally greater number of ocean view and veranda cabins to other similar cruise ships. As with all cruise lines, each has their own speciality and with Holland America, they have what they call the signature of excellence, which typifies their service and overall customer satisfaction. Classified as a premium brand, Holland America are one of the best all-round safer cruise lines in the market. And when it comes to cuisine, as with most other cruise lines do, they do put on a very strong performance. For your main eatery, head to the easy to remember name, the dining room which is located in the promenade deck or deck number three. Here they will offer fine cuisine every evening together with waiter service. For your breakfast or lunch, head to the leader market on deck nine, literally next to both of the swimming pools. This modern marketplace includes a curated selection of delicious options that you can grab on the go or have made to order. For those munchy moments or midnight snacks, the dive-in restaurant again on deck nine will offer you such food as mouth-watering gourmet burgers in a brioche bun or chicken breast fillet or that favorite one, the hot dog, all mixed with your favorite condiment. As with the two previous mentioned restaurants, these are included in your price. Yes, exactly, no need to pay any extra. If you got that special day or anniversary, for a small supplement, the following two restaurants are available. Their award-winning Pinnacle Grill restaurant on deck two, now here they serve what Holland America calls the ultimate steakhouse at sea. Oh, great stuff. One of the finest quality of meats, I'm told, especially their 28-day wet-aged prime steaks, meticulously chosen to guarantee the finest quality, all washed down with a nice red. If, however, you fancy an Italian, you can always enjoy a nice pasta dish. Visit Canaletto on deck nine and enjoy amazing Italian classics or with freshly made pasta. Buon appetito. Or if you're not up to it, have your breakfast, lunch or dinner in your cabin. With the 24 hour service, you can't go wrong. I don't know about you, but a good coffee after dinner is always a great way to finish off the evening. And the place to be is in the quaint resounding name of the Explorations Cafe on deck three. You can't beat a flat white, I'm telling you. Anyway, with all this food and drink, head towards the Northern Lights nightclub on the lower promenade deck on number two to show off all your dance moves. My wife keeps telling me that I have two left feet when I dance. And there I thought I danced like Michael Jackson. 
next door you have the casino maybe try your luck at poker or if you prefer the well-known bandit as we wake up we find ourselves docked in the tasmanian port of hobart situated in the southern part of the island one picture that always springs to mind when tasmania is mentioned is that cartoon character the tasmanian devil tasmania lies south of australia and it was named after the dutch explorer abel tasman who after a slight miscalculation on new zealand the Dutch cartographers decided to name this island after him when he landed here in the middle of the 17th century. For some reason, the Dutch did not settle here. Soon, the French arrived and quickly followed by the British late in the 18th century when Captain Cook landed and claimed sovereignty to the British crown. It's worth checking which excursions are offered and if you can see one of those little Tasmanian devils in a park or sanctuary, it is highly recommended. Now, they are very cute, but very shy nocturnal marsupials. As we board our ship in Hobart, clutching a souvenir or two, we get ready for our next adventure, as Melbourne in Australia is our next stop. As it would take the Northern whole day to reach Melbourne, let's reflect on what Australia has given the rest of the world. Mm, let me see. Boomerang, that famous V-shaped stick originally used for hunting, which by the way, is also referred to as a Kylie. The kangaroo, the koala, and also the second James Bond, George Lazenby. And I'm sure there's quite a few other things out there. After a day sailing the Bass Strait, the Nordam will reach Melbourne, your first Australian mainland stop. This former Aboriginal meeting place is now Australia's second most populated city, famous for cricket and the Australian rules football. It's also the gateway for wine-related excursions, especially in the Yarra Valley district. Here they grow varieties which include Shiraz, Chardonnay and Pinot Noir. Also on the itinerary you'll visit a local winery for a wine tasting session and also enjoy lunch in the restaurant. From here you can visit the Hillsville Wildlife Sanctuary. You'll have free time to wander through the Australian bushland. The zookeepers will tell you about the platypus, parrots, kangaroos, wombats and the very cute and cuddly koala. More than 200 species of native birds, mammals and reptiles live at Hillsville, so just make sure you have enough memory space in your camera or phone. As we go back on board, we now get ready for our last whole day in the ship, before it reaches our last port of call, Sydney. Just as the ship's name dictates, Nordam, meaning north, she steams towards Australia's biggest city, and one of the most extraordinary and recognisable harbours in the world. And first thing in the morning when you draw the curtains from your respective balcony or CB cabin, you'll probably see two of Australia's most iconic monuments, the Opera House and the famous Sydney Harbour Bridge. Can you imagine an aerial shot of those two buildings together with your ship? A must for social media. As this is your embarkation stop, a three or four day stop over here is highly recommended. Grab the chance while it's there. Well, that's it. Or is it? Now, why not add another voyage around Australia to this one at the time you're booking? There are a couple of other lines that operate here, such as Oceania and Princess Cruises. Options are there for you to take. Alternatively, a great way to see the inner Australia or the outback, as it's also known, take the legendary Gan train from Adelaide, where you will travel just over 1,800 miles, stopping at places such as Alice Springs and finishing in one of Australia's best-kept secrets, Darwin. Well, 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 
after all that excitement, a nice amber nectar would go down well, wouldn't it? Now, how much you can do in Australia? Well, that's up to you. Do your research first. Anyway, where do we go from here? I hear you ask. My next podcast is one destination that for many of us is only visible on our TV screens. The North Pole. Yes, you heard right. The North Pole. Latitude 90 degrees north. So get your woolly hat on and parker because I'll be taking you on an epic adventure. For this or any other cruise, please contact me on albert at gocruiseandtravel.co.uk or simply Google me on Facebook or my website. Just type in Go Cruise with Albert. As they say farewell in Maori, Tanya Kutu or Dana Kutu. Bon voyage and stay safe.